There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. PlayStation's big showcase revealed a new handheld and Metal Gear is back. This is VGC, a video game podcast with me, Pete Donaldson, Andy Robinson and Chris Dring. First things first, Andy has just received his West Ham uh, Europa Conference League Cup final tickets. He's got them. This podcast is basically going to be um, two people doing a show and Andy being very distractedly pressing his F5 button. I'm so glad. I'm so glad it arrived before we started recording. (laughs) Otherwise, this just would have been like 45 minutes of anxiety F5ing, as you said. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's arrived. Something else I can forget about now. I'll, yeah. t- I'll tell you what, actually, it's um, this is a real first world problem. Mm. Um, but the day of the final is the day I was going to fly to Summer Game Fest. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I've had to move my flight back a day. Um, Are you and fly only, straight from Turkey. The then? only well, is this in Prague. You're thinking oh, the Champions League finals nice. in Istanbul, right? Sorry. Okay. Um, right, or okay. is that? You're, I don't know. One of them. One of them's in Istanbul. I think. Yes. Um, so basically, the only way I can get to Summer Game Fest in time is by flying back from Prague first thing in the morning after the final. Keeping in mind that local time, the final is 9 p.m., I think. So you're not <laughs> getting out of there before midnight, are you? And, you know, no. imagine you win, then that's going to be a long night. And, and also there'll be a lot of other West Ham fans leaving Prague at the same time. And Prague has a, a very unique reputation as being Stagdu Central. So, I mean, the early flights out of Prague yes. after a big football match i mean i don't i don't think you're gonna make summer games fest it's, in one it's, piece, think, to be honest andy it's reminiscent of nintendo i think chris chris will remember this nintendo had a big uh press trip for the nintendo 3ds about 10 years ago mm. um where they flew basically the entire games media uh to amsterdam for one night with the return flights at 8 and 7 a.m um so i missed my return flight and the departure <laughs> lounge was just like it was like a scene from Saving Private Ryan, basically just yeah. hundreds of of uh, of press and buyers just laid People out, sprawled across couches, vomiting, sleeping, charging their three DSs. <laughs> it sounds wonderful, uh, Chris. I hear that you're um, you've spent the week overcomplicating all of your Zelda builds. Um, that's what you've been up to this week. Well. Well, I've not been playing a player as much actually as I would like, and I'm, I'm glad that we moved right. on though from West Ham because he, they basically sent my team down last week. Um, oh, sorry, I forgot um, about that. So I, I uh, oh dear, I, uh, yeah, let's move. Talk about Zelda. Let's talk about Zelda all the time. Um, <laughs> what what contraption could could you have built to save your football team this season? Chris? Um, it's like a, a big Sam sized wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Preferably five <laughs> games earlier than they did. Um, I just thought yeah. they've been terrible this season. I think. Um, uh, I think they deserve to go down. Mm. Well, that's should, we, should we talk about uh, video yeah, games <laughs> <laughs> with that kind of with that kind of uh, you know rabble rousing message? <laughs> <laughs> I hope the halftime team dogs are a little better at the weekend. Um, so um, onto the news. Uh, last night, Sony held its big uh, PlayStation showcase, the first in over a year, featuring uh, brand new games from 
first party um, studios and partners, mainly partners, let's be very clear on that. Uh, we had uh, new games from Bungie, Haven, uh, Firewalk and Square Enix. Uh, we had the first look at Dragon's Dogma uh, 2. And we also got a new um, portable device, um, possibly the most underwhelming <laughs> announcement for any portable uh, device in, in in this particular sphere. Project Q, an 8-inch screen uh, which will let uh, PS5 owners stream their games to the handheld. Chris, what stuck out with you, are you excited about the titles announced? Uh, was it a little bit too high on CGI and light on details and release dates and release windows? Um, yeah, and they always are. I, I, I've got to that yeah. point with showcases, and I know I'm a journalist saying this, but I, I don't ever feel like they tell us enough. And um, mm. the opportunity to go deeper, like what we'd normally do is you'd see all this stuff and then the media would go in and see some behind closed door demos and speak to the developers yeah. and get questions answered about to get a little bit more insight into understanding what's going on. We don't get to do that anymore. So this is all we get. And um, and and they have this such small window to just sell us what this product is. And sometimes the best way to do that is with a CGI trailer. Um, but I find showcases quite frustrating. It doesn't matter what they are. And it's always afterwards when I actually sit down and think about what I was shown and um, I realised that actually what we got was pretty good. And I think last night, you know, it was it was it had all hit all the PlayStation beats right. There was Final Fantasy, there was a Resident Evil, um, there was there was a new Square Enix game, there was a Capcom game. There was just it was it was pretty pretty safe. We saw a little bit of what PlayStation's doing with the live service side of things. I thought it was all right actually, mm. but um, uh, but I I rarely find it was an hour well spent. Whether it's PlayStation, Nintendo, Xbox, whatever. Mm. Especially Andy, because a lot of these games you knew. They were coming out at some point. You knew a successful game is always going to, um, you're always going to be in the window of, of, of getting a, um, a sequel. So none of these things were a massive surprise, really, were they? Um, well, I mean, they, they had kind of some of their newer studios, uh, Firewalk and, and Haven. Mm. So we, we kind of know what they're working on. Uh, well, sort of. <laughs> we know what, we know what um, Firewalk's game's called, um, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's clearly got a lovely logo. Um, Haven's game. If I was Sega, I would be on the phone to the lawyers at this point, um, asking whether they've uh, used the same creative agency as uh, their game Hyenas, because it right. looks it looks very very similar in in content and art direction. Um, but you know, my my overriding feeling of the whole thing was the same as Chris, and you're going to get a lot of this from us this year. Is is being bitter about E3 um being cancelled because mm. you know i i didn't start vgc to sit and watch these bloody you know marketing trailer reels uh again and again and again um it's it's just it's not good for anyone i don't think it's just really you, you know um if if this was a physical event you would have got tangible feedback for a start because you have an audience reaction nothing ever beats that that uh playstation press conference they had in uh, I think it was 2000, 2017, was it? Mm. Or 2016 with Final Fantasy and Shenmue and Last Guardian. And the, the place just erupted, basically. And it just, they kind of, they know they have to put on a good show when they're, they're, they're at physical events like that, right? You can't get away with just going, here's some CGI trailers for some new stuff that looks very derivative of everything else. Um, because, you know, everyone will see the, the underwhelming reaction, uh, you know, from the from the audience, but you know, kind of the, the biggest thing is that if it were if it were a physical event, you know, right now we'd be speaking to some of the people behind this. We would mm. be we gathering more information. You know, there would be 
more a kind of insight for for us and our readers into what this stuff is like you know why when when are some of these games coming out what are they about what is this concord thing you know what is this this metal gear name all about you know what platforms is it coming out on it, it, you know what do you mean when you say the returning voice characters <laughs> you know when like david david hater the the voice of, of um of big boss solid snake is like you know, just can't ref- refusing on social media to confirm or deny whether he's in that. Like just mm. stuff like that, right? Like it just, it just takes away these showcases take away so much, um, you know, kind of accountability from these companies. It is just pure marketing now, right? They're not going to get yeah. asked any awkward questions. They can chuck in whatever they want. This is what works for us. You know, no one's going to ask any awkward questions about this Project Q thing. We could lump it out. Literally, I think our story about that that art, that um, Project Q, excuse me, <clears throat> was about three paragraphs long because that's all we could muster from what Sony said about it. And here's the thing, though: it doesn't always. Be, it's not just about the gamers or about us. You know, I how many times have been to E3, seen an underwhelming trailer during a PlayStation or Xbox conference? And then been go, then go, and then gone behind closed doors and seen something a bit deep and spoken to the developer and gone oh actually we we mis we misjudged it based on that trailer. If you get your trailer wrong mm. in these showcases, that was your shot and you've blown it. Whereas if if you're at somewhere like E3 or Gamescom when you've shown the trailer and you blew it, you've still got a chance to make it up by by getting the media excited about it after the fact. And in fact, I think Dying Light Two, I remember that became a game of the show not because of what it was shown during a, a conference but what it was when people actually got to go hands-on with it and see it afterwards and that was a i can't remember 2019 or something so it's it's mm. it's um it's not just about it i think it helps publishers as well you know just to sort of clear up any confusion um you know okay it's been it's, we've gone up to 10 years of when microsoft messed up the xbox one launch so it's not sometimes it can make things worse but it, it it's not just for you know so we can ask tricky questions so they can answer them yeah and and especially because a lot of these kind of trailers will be funneled through the exact same production houses because most of these trailers won't be done in-house they'll be given the assets they'll give them the characters and sort of go can you make this game look absolutely whiz bang and cool uh, and and all of these kind of like creative trailers are done by the same people who would do movie trailers. Is that not right, uh, Andy? Is that not like... Yeah, they, 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 that's, they exact, that's exactly the case. Yeah, that's so, why... So, so you end up getting quite similar kind of artistic visions. That's and, why and that I alluded to the fact that them. um that Haven game, uh, mm. Fair Games, I think it's called. That's yeah. why I alluded to the fact that are they using the same agency as, as Hyenas? Mm. Because they look incredibly similar in, in, yeah. in that, that direction. Um, I, I think... My my our good friend Kez McDonald as well made a, another very good point on um on social media about this when when she said it's the other aspect to the the physical versus digital event is that you know the fans are watching all of these these trailers but the wider world are not yes you know there's there's things that that e freeze and stuff that that blew up and ended up on BBC News that you never you you would have expected like the Watchdogs Granny right the Watchdogs <laughs> Granny made that game huge it was like game of the show that year. Would that have been the same if they didn't have, you know, all of these uh, kind of uh, mass mass market uh, outlets like looking for the hook there? Mm. You know, Keanu Reeves becoming the the moment of the show at E3. Well, mm. the, the the way that they sort of pace out the trailers, the um the uh, Metal Gear Solid Three remake, like there's you know crocodiles fighting snakes and birds getting eaten and bugs and stuff, and when when Snake appears, there's like a beat. For the crowd to go absolutely exactly, yeah, that's wild. exactly and what's you, missing. You it's like it's, miss, it's made for the crowd, right? That's yeah. not there. Yeah, and it it just seems really empty, and it's just 
on the YouTube video, it's just you know trailer after trailer no one's really announcing it the only reason you know it's, uh, that you've gone on to the next game is at the bottom of the screen there's little chapters in the YouTube video and, stuff. and you probably I'll tell you you know why because I mean I, I pub, um, reported this a month or so ago is that trailer probably was planned for E3 an in person right, yes. reveal that makes uh, sense and they've yeah. had to kind of rejig it around or something mm. was was there anything though guys that you really that that you didn't necessarily. It wasn't at the front of front and center of your mind uh, about it coming out, uh, and it really surprised you. Something like I don't know, marathon or. I was surprised how yeah. brazenly Square Enix copied Splatoon. <laughs> oh, that, that, yes, the um, the squeegee game. What's it called? The, the, foam, the uh, foam star. The formers or something. Whatever it's called. Yeah, that was that Fair was pretty play. wild. That's right. Yeah, and it's kind of like a, an anime. Kind of kawaii, kind of yeah. you know, very it's heavy the, on the, the Japanese music. Very much the Square Enix platoon. Um, I yeah. think Dragon's Dogma Two looks brilliant. That was quite mm. unexpected. I wasn't expecting to see that for a while um, mm. because of you know they only announced it I think late last year, and um, it, it sounded early. But you know, hey, it looks quite far along. It looks brilliant. Um, mm. I liked uh, obviously Marathon. Everyone's going about Marathon. Uh, Bungie are like a safe pair of hands, aren't they? Like. You know, I'd be pretty excited about anything that Bungie announced. Like, you think of the most underwhelming franchise, like Days Gone Two by Bungie. I'd be up for that because you'd be like, <laughs> okay, they're gonna they're gonna do something interesting with this. Do they're going to deliver. Yeah. Like even Halo now, that's really been played out. If there yeah. was another Bungie Halo, I, I think I'd be in. <laughs> do you do you remember um, Chris uh, Marathon coming out the first time, like the the first Marathon? Because that was always the when uh, Amiga and PC spoke about. Doom and on the Amiga, Alien Breathe 3D and Gloom uh, and those kind of derivative little kind of monstrosities that they made uh, that, that were really, really slow with a very small window. Um, Mac um, video game supporters would sort of go, well, yes, well, you guys have got that, but we have got Marathon. Yeah. And going back and playing it like 20 years later, it is a piece of shit. <laughs> well, I, I, interesting, my knowledge, I, I discovered Marathon after like everyone else after Halo came out mm. and sort of so mm. I was quite surprised to see that actually I was surprised I was surprised actually yeah I wasn't sure if Sony were going to show off much of their live service stuff at all and they showed three of their live service mm. games and uh, and, and was, uh, whatever it's called the, the Haven game um, there's a lot of buzz about that internally at PlayStation um, the fact they opened with it shows their confidence in it I think so that was that was a lot of interesting stuff um from there and mark sony's working on that game right uh, he's working with haven on something technical i think there's some technical thing they're doing that haven i think it might not be connected to the game i mean obviously we didn't bloody see any of that from the cgi trailer no. but I, um you would assume there's probably a more exciting showing to come for that just listening to who's working on it and as you said the the kind of the importance they seem to be placing on it yeah i, I think you know that they, they bought that studio after a year of working on that game, they're like, we need, to, we need to bring these folks in the house. They also, I mean, obviously, they're, they're the former Stadia folks, so there's an element of um, experience with the streaming side of things, which I think is interesting to them. I, 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 I just thought that was all good. I mean, I love the look of Spider-Man. I, what I find, and I do actually think it's the right decision, is Sony could have turned up and shown us what Naughty Dog's doing, and they could have shown us what Gorilla's doing, um, and they, which, they would, which they would have done 10 years ago, right? During the early PS4 era, they were showcasing games that weren't even in development yet um, to get people really hyped and excited. And now they seem to be going, you know, what? our big focus, our big show thing is going to be on a game you're going to play in a few months. And, um, and although that might lead to a bit more of an underwhelming showcase, I kind of feel um, probably the right call for them. Um, 
Uh, I think the bigger surprise for me actually came out afterwards was Alan Wake 2 is not going to be... doesn't have a physical release. That was the... That looks brilliant as well. Yeah. That looks really good. I saw I was doubly surprised that it's uh, digital only, but... Um, well, I very much hope that they sort of spend um, their time with their lawyers and legal representation, actually get those, you know, tracks and licenses kind of nailed down because Alan Wake, you couldn't buy the first one for a while, could you? Because they, mm. they, they, I think, was it a Roy Orbison song or something? There was some kind of um, situation with the music or something that... And that, that's the risk with digital-only releases, right? It, that yeah. could be a situation where literally no one could, could have played, you know, purchased that game. Or they should have, like, um, maybe every game should have alternate assets where after a certain while, it just deletes the file in the cloud. That's not a bad idea. I mean, a lot of games now have, like, kind of streamer-friendly soundtracks, don't they, modes where yeah. they turn off all kind of licensed stuff. And it's, it's just interesting to see what song they'll use after they're, they're not allowed to use whatever song they've chosen. A lot of like the WWE Network, for example, like WrestleMania 2, I think the theme tune of that was inexplicably Phil Collins' Easy Lover. And they, uh, <laughs> and, and they redubbed that. <laughs> so you will get like kind of quite famous songs being redubbed with some very shitty versions <laughs> in, in, in the future. So maybe there'll be something kind of like, there'll be a finite life of, of, a, of an MP3 file in the back end. When it comes to like some of the more indie experiences, games like uh, Neva, um, Cat Quest, Parents of the Caribbean. <laughs> were, were, the... were those real games? Did I miss them? <laughs> I think you did. Well, I mean, Neva or Neva in particular, um, from the creators of the indie game Gris, um, it, they, it just killed a, a really cute creature upset everyone and then fucked yep. off still sad, no idea what the game. hell yeah just like these kind of um indie games like i still don't know i've watched several trails of gris or grease or however you say it um because i never played it the first time round like i still don't know how these games are played they all look like um trailers that you'd see 10 years ago that are like these inspirational beautifully orchestrated animated experiences but i still don't know how if, if that trailer didn't have the um makers of uh, gris attached to it Mm. I don't think many people would have paid it as much attention as they are. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, Chris can probably touch on this a little bit. It's like it almost has become the case now that where AAA games became really saturated, you know, because the numbers of them and, and the genres and, you know, kind of whatever they were chasing. Mm. There's so many indie games now. So mm. many indie games. Like, I honestly think there could be a good pub quiz if you just pick 10 of these indie games with like, you know, a peculiar art style, quirky art style. And you had to like actually name what they are or tell them apart which one is this game. I think you'd struggle. Yeah, which one's a puzzle game? Which one's a platformer? Which so many indie FPS? games come out now on the on the marketplaces every single week. Yeah, and everything's like quite vectory, isn't it, Chris? Very vectory. Yeah, well, it's like was it to begin with? Everything was two D platformers. So it's like, oh, we don't. There mm. was a hundred of them, and it's just I don't know if it's unfortunate or if it's you know one game comes out that's inspired someone, and then you know every other indie developer because oh we can do that as well but you know it's it's yeah. i do like the fact they're sort of mer- merged in now they're just games right and that's the and that's yeah. the sort of that's the sort of thing rather than necessarily you know alan wake 2 has been made in a couple of years really and it's probably made on quite a tight budget i'm sure some of those indie games that we we can we call indie may have had an even bigger budget than those and i think it's um it's it's uh yeah, sometimes you can't even tell us that there was a was a game during Xbox's showcase, the farming mech game. It's made by a group of students. So it's um, yeah, I, I found it. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, and I thought the indie stuff's great, and I thought it was all fine. Um, and I and I liked there was some hardware in there. Um, Shall we talk about the hardware? I mean, yeah. does anyone want that? Does anyone want a big like useless iPad? I do. 
with a <laughs> dual sense long, glued onto the, it. The back of that goddamn control looks blooming hilarious. It's <laughs> really stretched out. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I know why. I mean, obviously, they make so much money from peripherals, PlayStation. Mm. So I get why they're taking every opportunity to chuck out, you know, kind of VR headsets and yeah. headphones and controllers and, and what have you at the moment. But yeah, I could not care less about that thing. I mean, I can already play my Xbox games on my phone with my Backbone add-on, which mm. I'm I'm certain costs significantly less than whatever the hell that thing's going to cost. Why do why do we need a one-use tablet? It only works on Wi-Fi. So, yeah, that only does. I mean, it only works when the console's like turned on and and yeah. I have to say though, uh, you know, Andy, I've talked about this. I don't get much time on my TV anymore, particularly since my second mm. child's been born. Yeah, I and, hear you. And I love my Switch and I actually play mostly in my Godfather. Switch <laughs> at home um, in various, you know, city, whatever, to take it around with me. And I'm looking forward to Spider-Man 2 a lot. And mm. knowing that actually there's a chance I might be able to complete it because there's a dedicated device built around being able to play this game where I don't have to sit in front of the TV. It does appeal to me. But look, and I think that's, that's who it's for, right? It's in, it doesn't need to be the biggest thing in the world. Um it's just uh it's a it's one of what you remember, you remember andy when playstation did a i think it was a ps3 they did a tv which was fr- a 3d tv oh, um, yeah. and you, you know if you wore one person wore glass and one person didn't you could play gran turismo multi a multi-screen yeah. like you both you had the full screen but it was multiplayer split screen because you could see different layers of it it was like a really quick and nobody really bought that but it, I think Sony knew that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this cool little thing that they they make this stuff. They make hardware, and it's and I'm actually a little bit interested in the queue, but only from a personal perspective. I, I I agree with the like I don't see this having a particularly momentous launch. Um, and there's and PlayStation Five is building up quite a few of these interesting little add-on products now, right? From the Pulse headset, the VR headset, this. Um, that sort of talk to a specific corner of their audience. It just sort of feels like now they're trying to extract as much revenue as possible, you know, from this, this, uh, this kind of console market that is probably never going to grow beyond what it is, you know, sort of like a hundred million, you know, they're, they're doing better than they've ever done. Right. Let's make as many live service games as possible and release mm. as many peripherals as possible and extract as much revenue as we can. Well, those earbuds that they announced in in the showcase—I don't know whether they announced them for the first time—but um, that's certainly the first time I've seen them. Like that little, I quite like the case that kind of retracts into itself. But uh, I mean, it, it's just going to get absolutely clogged up with dog hair in my house, honestly. But but I mean, it is going to be about the price point of all these peripherals. They could, you know, sell us at a loss to further um, the the PlayStation Five cause, but they're just not going to. And you know, for a fact, it'll be like. 170 quid or something and it'll just be too much money yeah well they only they only need to sell so money i guess you know mm. um i imagine that um the the dual sense uh what's the edge the dual sense edge controller 200 mm. quid controller i have no doubt that that's been very very profitable you know and they don't expect anywhere you know not anything beyond a small percentage of uh, ps5 users to purchase mm. that i mean that extends to pretty much everything they're doing now you know like i was just saying i mean even the fact that they've um, restructured ps plus and added these more expensive tiers um you know they've got the, their users number of users are flat year on year ps plus subscribers but they're making a, like a chunk more money mm. because 30 percent of those users have gone are paying slightly more They've gone up to the higher, the higher two tiers. Yeah. Well, um, certainly the one that uh, the, the title sort of um, uh, uh, um, stuck out for me, uh, Teardown, 
my game of last year, um, if indeed it came out last year, I played and played and played and played that game, and I'm glad it's heading to uh, PS5. But again, I mean, it's just not not a big not a big announcement. But I just thought I'd uh, chuck it in there because I just blumming blumming love that. Um, so moving on, um, obviously, um, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Uh, obviously, we know that's coming out uh, that looks fairly cool. soon. That does look that cool. Is, that and, is that and... is a bit of me. It's a bit. It's a bit of me. Is it a bit of you, Chris? Is it a bit of uh, Andy? It's, is it a bit of you, Chris? Because when you know you guys have both got got little ones, um, you're looking at like an Assassin's Creed experience, and the last few have just been sold on the size of the map and how long it's going to take to finish. Yada yada yada. Um, in in this place, they're actually sort of talking about how small it is and how um, similar it is to 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 previous uh, and and you know the first few. Um, episodes. I, I'm well into that, Chris. Yeah, I am as well. Um, I'm a bit worried for Ubisoft. Ubisoft need a hit, and I do worry that you know mm. people will see this as a, a lesser Assassin's Creed as a result. I don't. I, it appeals to me in, mm. in a way that I, I haven't been able to. I think they look great. They play great to some of the recent ones. I just haven't been able to give them the time of day. So yeah, it's it's mm. it's it's definitely. I'm, I'm pleased they're doing it. You know, I'm, and I actually would like more games companies to do it. I'd like Nintendo to go. I mean, Nintendo going in the right direction with Zelda, for instance, but I still would love them to knock out a old school, <laughs> you know, uh, 20 hour Zelda adventure. Um, as well. 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As, as same as everyone else is, I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom at the moment. And it is there are just moments where it's like, does it need to be this big? I mean, I get that's yeah. the appeal, but it really does feel like it's deviated so much now from the core formula that there is room to do a two-tiered thing where as you said like they could do like kind of smaller more linear styles Zelda. yeah and i think i think i think i think we've seen that with a lot of games that have evolved into something else i think there's a there's a there's a need you, know, you saw it happening in the mmo space when runescape evolved so far away from what it was originally they actually re-released the one from 20 years earlier and um, and then started <laughs> it again and took it in a different direction it's a, and i thought that was i think you can do that with games now you can sort of I think Jedi Survivor, which I've finished recently, I think that really um, uh, hit the balance because that can be played as quite a linear game, as mm. I mostly did. But it's bloody massive. Like, it's definitely not a linear game. If you mm. want to go out and ex- explore these uh, these game worlds and kind of do side quests and stuff, it's a massive, big open world monster. I mean, you could play that for tens and tens of hours. But if you want to play it like me and just plow through the story, it's actually it's an uncharted type, you know, quite um, tight um, you know, kind of cinematic single player game. Mm. Mm. Where where is Chris Ubisoft's big hit coming from? Because I mean, they actually admitted themselves that their last raft of of, of sequels did, didn't hit the spot. I'm a I'm a real Far Cry apologist, um, and for me, the last one was just more of the same, and I'll take that every day uh, and twice on uh, on the weekend. But I mean, they're looking at um, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. I think that was a new story that uh, that, that caught my eye on, on VGC this week, where. Um, Still in development. It won't be appearing uh, in their event uh, in June. Um, but they took they took off they they took the game off um, Ubisoft. Is it Pune in uh, Mumbai? And um, that was two and a half years in development. It was originally slated for release back in twenty twenty one. Like the because of they did a stinking trailer that no one liked. <laughs> I mean, they do seem to be sort of stabbing in the dark and and just relying on uh, on previous experiences and, and and IP. Yeah, well, I think that's thing is we're in a market at the minute where that's where gamers are spending their money um, mm. because it, you know they're being more discerning about what they're what they're what they're buying. They're not buying um, yeah. uh, indie games as in the same level they were before. They are buying Hogwarts Legacy. They are buying Zelda. They are buying Star Wars. And so Ubisoft's 
and Ubisoft had a tough year last year because they didn't have one of those big hit games. You know, Marion Rabbids underperformed mm. significantly and, and Just Dance didn't do what it normally does either. And so they were like, we, we need what are our big hits. And this year they've got some AAA titles. You know, they've got Skull and Bones and they've got Assassin's Creed. Um, uh, and uh, I think I've missed one. So Avatar. And then there's, um, and then there's mm. a, a, a fourth one, I think, that hasn't been announced yet. I think they've mentioned that in their financials. So... They have got some big titles, um, and well, they've got some big brands anyway. Um, and they and they and I think they need to see at least a couple of those impress. Mm. And I think it's I think it's I think they've got things to sell, which is good. But I think we all know Skull and Bones has its challenges. Assassin's Creed isn't isn't the Valhalla sequel. Um, yeah, so there are a bit of anxiety. Obviously, there's that Star Wars game that's obviously um, potentially a, a, a major one for them. So. Um, Yes, they have games coming out. And actually, they're one of the few publishers that seem to have games coming out this year. Um, you know, I think there's a reason why they're one of the only publishers doing a showcase at all. Um, so it's... Um... I guess the bottom line is that they actually need to release games, right? A Take-Two yeah. can just sit on uh, GTA Online for a year, for an off year. Yeah. You know, EA can sit on FIFA, Ultimate Team, for an off year. Whereas Ubisoft don't, doesn't have any of those. But that's a rumor about Far Cry. They're going to go as a, a service game. Well, they they need game. they need one of those to be paying the bills, you know, all year every year, so yeah. that they can stop and kind of focus on making uh, the, these other titles rather than at the moment. It, it like it does sort of feel like that to me that they are sort of like just get stuff out. Mm. Um, I think they've been burned on quality a little bit. I don't think that they would just chuck anything out because they've had a couple of years now where their big games have been like quite poorly received, especially that that famous year where they had was it um, Ghost Recon. And maybe one of the other divisions, I can't remember where they, they were both badly received and they delayed everything. Um, and then those games were badly received anyway. Watch Dogs Legion and uh, the Rainbow Six quarantine yeah. game, right? Um, so it, it's a, they're stuck in this weird place, I think, where they need they know they need to release stuff, but also they can't just put out tripe. Yeah. Like Star Wars, for example, the, the, the rumor that they're going to, um, that they're, they're going to, you know, kind of, maybe push star wars to this fiscal year you know before april next year yeah that kind of feels like something that that, that i mean because haven't they, they what was their like the latest financials chris i wasn't paying much attention but there was some sort of record broken for for poorness right <laughs> i can't remember what the metric was <laughs> it's always, but it was some the thing is it's all about expectations right and if you expect to have a tough year and you told you you told your shareholders you're going to have a tough year but it's because we're building up to this or because our games got delayed your shareholders might go okay fair enough if you tell people you're going to have a decent year and then you underperform and you issue a profit warning, that's when you get into trouble. And that's what's kind of happened to Ubisoft this year. They, were, they weren't expecting a vintage year anyway, but then they reported it was significantly worse than they were expecting it to be. And that's what's caused the shock they've got at the minute. Um, but I, I, in a way, they just have to work really hard on these games they've got and they need to sort of, you know, maybe Assassin's Creed was originally aimed to be more of a small thing. Well, now maybe make it a bigger thing. You know, let's talk about it in a way that is a, is a little bit more significant. And I'm sure that they're working. Well, that's why they're doing. They're still doing their E3 showcase, right? So they they are. Um, I'm sure they're into it. Um, I'm I'm, you know, I, I worry about them. I think the thing is, I used to miss. The thing is, Ubisoft used to be quite weird, right? You know, you talk about these big open world games that were all samey and everyone criticised them, but then they would do something weird like Valiant Hearts or Marion Rabbids is weird, right? They would do these this 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 nonsense element. yeah i miss i think we all miss those days i mean it's just it was like it was a completely different company then right i mean they had that was sort of within 10 years of them transforming into this massive global publisher like you remember like back in the early days they were this weird niche you know kind of european publisher 
Mm. They sort of do Ghost Recon and Rainbow Six, but even they were very, very niche, you know, kind of technical shooters. Over the heads, yeah. And, um, you know, it kind of exploded with uh, Prince of Persia and then obviously Assassin's Creed coming in, et cetera. And I think the challenge they had 10 years ago, which was sort of 10 years after it really kicked off, was retaining their talent, really. Um, and that's what that initiative seemed to be when they kind of let them go and make on these smaller games where... Yeah. Obviously, in the years since, everyone's just sort of pissed off from Ubisoft anyway, by the looks of it. And they, they, I they, think they've just... You mentioned their live service, and they do... Have, I mean, Rainbow Six Siege is their thing, right? And it's not it's not GTA Online levels, but it is, it's it's obviously turning over. And they do... Even like games like The Crew and For Honor, those games are profitable service games. Apparently, The Crew is deceptively yeah. Uh, profitable. Yeah. It's, it's just... I think they're missing... They're missing something sizable... Um, or it doesn't have they don't have to have one thing they could have 10 small things bringing in recurring revenue as they call it um but um yeah they're, they're in an odd space but they have games this year and i think that means they have a fighting chance mm. well elsewhere obviously um the the biggest reveal of the playstation showcase was uh, metal gear solid 3 uh, delta the long expected remake of the classic game um, as first reported by VGC in 2021, thank you very much, <laughs> VGC. Uh, I noted really? on the first on the first uh, episode of this uh, podcast, I believe you dropped some truth bombs, Andy, and uh, the internet was aflame with the rumours, and it, it it looks so far to be uh, to be pretty much happening. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's much left in there to become true. To be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll I mean, Konami, so, Konami the, been... so the answer, so the basically the message is stick with VGC, the podcast. You'll get it. You'll get it. Uh, of, of, of course, absolutely. Mm. Um, I mean, this is something that Konami's been working on for a while. I think. Um, I mean, I don't generally like you know, kind of just uh, you know, talking about unannounced games for the sake of it. But there's a, a bigger, kind of more interesting story behind you know the, the Metal Gear and Silent Hill, and that's that. Hey, Konami, you're going to start making, you know, kind of games that you care about again outside of pachinko machines and Japanese gyms, um, which which they they very clearly are. And that was the point of my story uh, two years ago, mm. that they sort of um, their leadership called to the idea of, you know, kind of outsourcing their franchises and working with outside studios a bit more. Because that was always the, the problem is that they they were very, very conservative, you know, kind of Japanese company that didn't want to let anyone else, you know, kind of play with their toys. And, you know, kind of when you have a situation where Kojima, you know, clears off and takes everyone with him, they haven't necessarily got a huge amount of development staff to do that, especially when, you know, it's the, the by far the most profitable parts of their business, businesses are the other areas, you know, kind of the sports clubs, et cetera, mm. uh, as I alluded to. Um, but they did call on that. And they started, this is, this has been going on for a good couple of years now. They started talking to outside companies about working on these franchises. So, and you've seen last year, they announced what, three, four Silent Hill games. Mm. Um, there's now not only a Metal Gear uh, remake, but um, a collection, which again, I talked about on VGC before. And Castlevania is the next one as well. Um, I actually expected Castlevania to come first because it was supposed to be further along, but I would wouldn't be well i would actually be surprised if we don't hear about that this year but that's that's conjecture because from what i understand it's pretty far along the the big new mm. proper castlevania is it is it a bit of a risk for um for fans to get on board this when obviously uh, they're re-releasing the game without hideo kojima it, can they do this justice it's yeah well i mean i think they're probably they're smart to 
work with a i mean again the the, the developer's not officially been announced but mm. i understand from previous reporting that it's a company called virtuous which are i believe they're the world's biggest uh, support developer if not they're one of um i, I believe they're headquartered in singapore They've worked on most AAA games you've heard of, you know, kind of on art and design and, and kind of the support stuff. Um, so they're a company that's very, very used to kind of um, working uh, um, under direction and sprucing up other people's stuff. And I think so the, the, the kind of the, the wording that Konami has put out about this remake is that it's going to be very, very faithful. And they've said that again, 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 again. So that sounds smart to me because don't, try and out kojima kojima because you're not going to do it right like he's <laughs> the most auteur game designer there is um even watching that trailer to me was jarring it was so jarring this is very clearly not a hideo kojima trailer right <laughs> so i i think they're smart to, to make as little original material as possible if they're going to be faithful mm. um brilliant but i mean when i spoke to kojima's team back in 2019 they were you know quite suggested to me that they were on pretty good terms with uh, Konami. So, and that was what, four, four years ago now. So I don't think it's out of the, the realm of possibility that they may work together at some point, but you know, perhaps the fact that Kojima's not acknowledged this announcement on social media at all is telling, or maybe it isn't. Maybe there's some agreement that he, you know, is, is doing something and not talking about it till later or what? I don't know. I think if the series is to continue, I think, you're going to struggle about Kojima. But, oh, yeah, 100%. But I think if you're doing a remake, this is not the first Metal Gear remake. Obviously, the greatest one being the Twin Snakes on the Nintendo GameCube. And I know Kojima was sort of around at that point, but I, I understand he didn't have that much involvement in very in what that game did. So, um, But as long as it sort of sticks mm. with what his sort of original vision and what he built, then I think we're, we're okay. It's when, they, it's, when they, it's when they want to go beyond, um, go, be, go, go somewhere different. I think that's when it's going to struggle. Maybe they just need to like kidnap Norman Reedus or something. <laughs> he seems to follow follow those kind of guys around quite a lot. Uh, all right, well we'll hit a, a short ad break. We'll be back with the news about PSVR two and just remakes in general. We'll see you in a second. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. Andy, Chris, I presume that you've cleared um, the diary, told your families not to expect much time with you this weekend because Lord of the Rings Gollum is out and well, hey. um, no doubt you'll be spending most of the weekend playing. Officially uh, the uh, the worst reviewed game of the year, I believe. Yeah. Redfall will have to patch like patch themselves down. I, I checked. There were only match. two games in the last two years that have been reviewed worse than that. Can you guess what they are? 
Chris? Ah, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> E-football. Oh. Okay, yeah. Fair. And I, I get I Postal 4, I think it was. I didn't even know that game was out. Postal 4 would thrive off that, though. That's but, its life. It, I, I, think, I, think, I think it's because, right, critics, because there's so many games that have come out, critics don't mm. review everything. They review stuff they think is going to be interesting or, or good. And um, uh, they probably looked at this and thought it was interesting and good, and it wasn't. Um, mm. And that's why most of the time things review a bit higher. But... Um, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed actually. I, I was sort of into it. And again, like it's not no kind of game developer goes out to make a bad game. So it's actually you see very few bad games these days. Like, you know, yeah. I think kids don't appreciate how shit games were when we were <laughs> Especially young. Especially right? tie-in. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of the biggest games were absolute tripe when we were oh, younger. Cliffhanger. Whereas oh, now brilliant. like the, the processes and the money required uh, yeah. uh, you know and the experience means that there are very few genuinely bad games. There are games that are, are better or more original than or more more well executed than others. Yeah. Maybe but it's, maybe there's just like some kind of middleware kind of package that you just slide into Unity or Unreal Engine to sort of go, to sort of go an okay game. So, but I, so I look at something like this, uh, and when you know, so when a a game that is reviewed this poorly comes out, I do look at mm. it, and I I always suspect like, all oh, right, what's the story there? Were they was, Rushed, was that push forced out the door by some <laughs> publisher? You know, was there some issue behind the scenes? Yeah, yeah. I thought you had the answer there, Andy. I no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I thought don't you had an inside yet. track there. Oh, it's bloody, it's hard making, okay, making games is, is hard, mate. It's like, yeah. it's like building a house, but everyone's building all the pieces in different locations. No one can, no and one then can they, see At the end, they try and put it together and you work out that the bathroom's, you know, underground and <laughs> the roof doesn't cover the whole house. And There was a, there was a lovely um, sort of uh, Twitter thread um, a couple of weeks ago that sort of said, like, people who have come over from making films or television um, can't understand that it is it, they're allowed their massive 100 car crash uh, explosion on a, on an unlovable highway or a building coming down and smashing into a million pieces. Uh, but you cannot afford computationally to have a character take his jacket off, and that's why like <laughs> directors can't. Oh, that handle. drives me. That drives me mad as well in games now. <laughs> like surely we've we've overcome that. I yeah. mean, Je- Jedi Survivor, which was the, the most recent game I finished. Mm. It, it just it started to annoy me by the end that they were still wearing the same clothes clothes stinking absolutely stinking like lenny kravitz's leather trousers gross but it is like wasn't there um there was that video of uh of how they made the la- one of the last of us is or it might be uncharted actually how they um tweened the frames on the guy taking his i think it was um uh, the main character from uh from uncharted's uh brother um, uh, it, him taking his jacket off and how they made that scene and how difficult it was to to have a character take his uh, take his coat off is incredible stuff. Um, so maybe we will be waiting for um, Lord of the Rings Gollum, uh, the PSVR two uh, experience to uh, you know exercise <laughs> some of those demons. Um, the early sales of PlayStation VR two uh, they are ahead of what the previous headset managed according to Sony at this time. It came out in late February. Since then, we've kind of all been wondering about how it's all been going because there's not been that much noise about it. It's not really a new product, obviously. It's incremental improvements all over the board. But, um, it, it, yeah, it, it apparently um, 600,000 units sold um, during its first six weeks of availability. That seems like a pretty strong start, but will that continue, I suppose, is the question, Andy? Um, well, I'd, I'd actually ask that one to, to Mr. Chris, who counts the mm. numbers. Um, it's a weird one. It's 600,000. Um, is it a lot? I don't 
Are people waiting? Are people who bought the first one waiting to buy the second one, or are people who want to get on the VR train just they're going to buy it at launch, aren't they? Surely it's going to fall massively off. Well, it's worth noting that PSVR was the market leading uh, VR headset for a long time, and then Sony sort of went a bit mm. bored of this now, and um, and um, and Oculus, um, whatever MetaQuest, whatever, it is, took took over, um, right. and. And there is a, there's a nice little market for VR. There's a group of people that play a lot of stuff in VR. They socialize in VR. Just a small group of people that really like that experience. And it is a unique experience. Um, it hasn't broken out beyond that. Now, for some companies, that's fine. Like companies like Endreams, which is a developer that specializes in VR, they, they, find, they make money out of this. You know, it's a profitable little world for them. Um, mm. The question is, can it go... Can it, can it break out? Can it go further? And so far, we haven't seen that. But that doesn't mean, you know, and I, that doesn't mean, um, that doesn't mean it can't. I, I, I guess, I'm, so, I'm sure Sony wanted, expected a bit more, but they clearly didn't go to town on this. There wasn't like a huge epic launch. It feels, it feels like a Sony thing, doesn't it? I've said this before. It feels like a Sony initiative more than a PlayStation initiative. Yeah. Like, yeah, we kind of want a headset. Yeah, the synergies with gaming. Yeah. So, sort of, yeah. Because the thing is, place there if you want it. PlayStation treat their PS5. I, mean, I did a thing. I remember back when I back when the PS5 and the Xbox came out, and I got a bit of attacked by Xbox fans. I think they understood, didn't understand what. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I don't think they understood what I was trying to say. I was. I sort of compared Xbox to like net. I what? compared X, I compared Never. Xbox to Netflix <laughs> and PlayStation to the cinema. And I wasn't talking about the quality. I was talking about yeah. how they approach their hardware. Xbox wants. To, Everyone to be able to access their games everywhere, and they want to work across every device. And the, and that doesn't mean the quality's poor; it just means that it's it's a lot more access, it's a lot more um, accessible. It's not the word we like to use these days. Sort of just available. Um, whereas PlayStation are going right. We want our experience to be quite special. We want it to be really high end. You know, you've got the dual sense feedback and 3D audio, and it's all sort of really. This is this unique adventure single player experiences a lot of the time. The VR headset actually fits with that ethos, right? It's the sort of quite unique playstationness about some of that stuff so although it is it does feel like a hardware initiative it feels like a sony thing we've, we've spent all this money investing in vr let's keep that going because it might eventually be technology that's that's got good value on it um i'm sure that's true but also it does fit with this playstation sort of um cinematics uh, experience sort of almost tac- you know almost physical um uh style um they are relying on third parties mostly though for this right that's the you know they're not they're not devoting significant first party resource to like they did first time to um developing vr2 games they are working with others on it and i think that's a bit telling um their focus is on ps5 and that's the ps5 games that work across all ps5s right okay is it it, is the psvr um found its way into your uh respective households have you got the room i do um uh, I've got a p- no. I don't have the room. I, He's got loads of room. I've, I've got I've got the shit. VRT. Interestingly, I've got um, I've had it sitting here for a while, and I've not actually turned it on. Um, and um, but I it's just tons of enthusiasm in the podcast this week. Isn't <laughs> oh no, I, I just I couldn't care less about PSVR, and you've got one and haven't even taken it out of the box well, again. The kids thing, but I actually I did a great interview with the guy behind C Smash that that new sort of thing. And yeah. I'm, I want to, I'm, I'm going to try and find the time now to play that. Do you know what? That, that would, that actually makes me want to pick one up, actually. See Smash. Yeah. That looks like a bit of me. That's my, my type of, type of game these days. Mm. And a Sega type arcade title that mm. I don't have to spend 50 hours, yeah. um, kind of running around looking for the fun. But yeah, no, I, I, you know, I've always, I've dabbled in VR. 
Um, I I just think that it needs to be untethered these days to be appealing. Mm. Um, I really didn't like the original PSVR, but most mostly because it was just woefully underpowered. But also, it just wasn't accessible at all. The amount of bloody wires you need to put in. This um, one is better. I, mean, for I understand that. that. Yeah, I understand they've 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 kind of fixed that a lot, but yeah, it's just you know, it's it's how much is it? Is it like? It's 450 quid, yeah, right? It's, it's, it's... Or 500 quid. I'm not paying 500 quid to play Horizon for a couple of hours and then put it back in a box. It's for a certain, particularly during this cost of living. Yes, yeah, so you are right. It is a for a, a certain niche and it's profitable, right? Like VR is a profitable market. It's not like um, the metaverse or whatever, some made up like, you know, this is going to be the future, the, the one future thing. Yeah. It, the there are a lot of people played. who enjoy VR and, and pay for it. It just, you know, for me, this feels like it just feels like a Sony initiative more than a PlayStation thing. It's like you said, they don't seem to be falling over themselves to support it. You know, PSVI just seems to be this other thing where it's like, mm. yeah, it could be, you know, useful that we have this expertise within the company. Um, you know, if they are going to build VR expertise, it makes complete sense they do it with gaming. I'm actually really surprised that it doesn't work with PC. Yeah, that just especially with everything they're doing now. I mean, there's got to be a really is someone I'm sure listening to this would give point out a very sensible reason why that's not the case to do with power or something. Um, but especially with everything else they're doing now, kind of pushing into PC, you know, they're taking a lot of the easy growth paths, aren't they? PlayStation live service games, stupid Wii U tablets. And you know, kind of PC games. They're just easy growth areas for them. Yeah, well, I, I, so I don't understand why they wouldn't. This this thing would be you're right. It would be like the pretty much one of the number one headsets pretty quickly, right? If it especially if it was on PC. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a they're sure they want to use it as a selling point for PS5. But look, maybe one day in a couple of years' time they'll adapt it, right? I guess a lot of their PC games. They, I thought it was interesting actually during their showcases. They actually announced a few games that were going to launch on PC as well yeah. as PS5, and they were all the live service the, ser- the service yeah. games. It was the service. It was game. all the service yeah. ones, and so. Um, Maybe if there's a VR element to one of those service games, then perhaps that'll change. Oh, I like the idea that there's some driver living on some um, hard drive in Sony Towers that all it would take is one driver in your Windows um, folder <laughs> to suddenly make this bloody thing work with it's PC. all over. It's tantalising. Uh, well, to round off the show, um, obviously uh, all the talk in the PlayStation um, showcase was obviously Metal Gear Solid 3. Classic games, there there must be kind of like a, whenever you make a, a new video game, there must be a place, like a kind of little time capsule kind of hard drive or cloud system that you put all of your HD original photographs that you've taken of textures that you want in your game, all of the original uh, recordings uh, on the voice reels and stuff, and it just gets put away for maybe two and a half years before you start developing a remake for every single uh, series you've got. Um, what series would you, would you want, um, Chris, uh, in, your, in your collection, uh, a, a remade uh, a game from, from your past? We're both going to say the same thing, aren't we? Are you both going to say the same thing? What are you going to say? But go on, Andy, you go first. Well, well he's going to say Conquer. <laughs> well, here's the thing. <laughs> and I'm going to say Banjo. Here's the thing. So you're going to say Conquer and Banjo. So this is the fun thing. There has been a Conquer remake, right? And... I was actually going to say a lot of the games that come to mind. Also, I think that I think that game's aged massively yeah, as well. Yeah. Just it, it, in the source material, I think mechanically, it's still it's the variety of the mechanics is really fun. Yeah. Oh no, I think I mean I actually Conquer is a game that I adored when I was a kid. And I play it whereas, now. Whereas Banjo, I don't think has aged 
Barely no, it's still super playable. But actually, they did a HD remaster of Banjo. So we we do, and they did do some tweaks behind the hood and that as well. So actually, I was going to say, like, I think we're getting to the point where I now need remakes of the remakes. Um, I now need a remake <laughs> of something else that I, I loved from, you know, what's it? Um, we got Pokemon Let's Go games. I was about to say, oh, I'd love a remake of Red and Blue. I've had two. Um, and, um, and um, uh, you know, we've had a GoldenEye remake and then we had a D-make of the remake that's more than the original. Uh, it just feels like mm. it... it I, I, I was going to say Banjo and Conquer. You're right. Um, I guess, though, Time Splitters, something like um, nice, um, yeah. that, um, those sort of early naughty shooters I really quite like. Um, I wouldn't mind... Uh, uh, I know that they're doing another one of those, but I wouldn't mind something like that. Um I'd love Ocarina of Time. I even going to say, oh, I'd love an Ocarina of Time, like a full-on remake of that. We did sort of get one of those as well. So it's these, uh, it's, um, there, wasn't, there isn't a lot left, actually, I don't think, in terms of... I'm actually really surprised EA didn't do Mass Effect properly. I mean, obviously, they did the, the, the remaster collection, but especially, um, you know, kind of seeing what they did with Dead Space, God, who would say no to that? Yeah. Like a proper Dead Space-style remake of Mass Effect 1. And Mass Effect 1's the one that you could fix a lot with as well. Kind of incorporate that there's still a lot of love for that franchise it's just it's a difficult kind of game to get off the ground especially with talent kind of you know kind of moving here and there dispersed to the wind somewhat Those i am quite surprised they didn't just <laughs> i'm surprised they, they didn't they didn't do that <laughs> yeah. um but yeah no why on earth are they not making a banjo remake like what is 25 that? years it's, it's almost it's almost like it's almost it's too late now like it's 25 years yeah it is at the point now where half the people listening to this podcast probably have never don't even know what it is. Oh, but you saw the reaction to uh, his appearance in Smash, which admittedly he was probably a long time ago now. I think he's got a. Yeah, that's the okay. That's fair. That's that's the Nintendo factor. Yeah. I, I think the that's Nintendo the key. Factor, I think the key thing for Banjo and for any of those sort of older Rare IP um, is the fact that when Rare went to Microsoft, a lot of Nintendo fans didn't follow. And I think it's often, I think it's quite telling that the Nintendo fan sites still cover Rare News, right? And, I, and it's, um, it, it, it's, it's, there is an, I think Banjo's fan base, I think there is still a fan base for Banjo. And I think it's still a good fan base for Banjo. It's just, they're just, but it's they're on Nintendo, Nintendo machines. <laughs> I guess, so basically we just need, um, like, to, you know, like when um, a divorcee has a bit of a, a, a reimagining and they kind of like, they dress up a bit nicer. They put some new jeans on. They get themselves out there on internet dating. You just need the characters banjo to just get out there and just be appearing in other people's games, all spit, spit shined. Yeah, I think the problem. Actually, you know what though? I, yeah. One of the things, and it sounds really because I'm such a fanboy of that game. Um, I was worried about the Activision Blizzard deal going through. Is that you know, if you're if you're at Microsoft and you want to bring back a, a platform IP, you could crash, right? You wouldn't go. We wouldn't go banjo. You won't even go Spyro over banjo. I, 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 mm. you know. Oh, Crash, Crash Bandicoot. I know. I agree. <laughs> it's a, it's a big one. bigger. The, the nostalgia for Crash Bandicoot <laughs> is for kids who didn't have a Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's rubbish. I, I would very much enjoy. Um, I, I always yap on about this game because it really means a lot to me. Um, uh, Urban Chaos, the one with Darcy Stern, oh, the, yeah. uh, the, the, the police, the police officer. The kind of like the thing that kind of inspired GTA Three, I think, is kind of being built at the same oh, sort of time. Was that was that was that Rockstar as well? Is that the one I'm thinking? I'm thinking I'm thinking of State of Emergency. I think it was is it Mucky Foot or Rocksteady? I can't I can't what, remember who who made it back in the. It was on the Dreamcast and the PC. And what Leslie Benzies worked on before GTA Three was Body Harvest. I'd love a I'd love a like 
What a yeah, game. I'd like that. I'd like that. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. All right. Motion passed. Get them down on the list. Uh, well, uh, thank you very much for uh, everyone who's been uh, listening to this show. If you've got any ideas about which um, uh, series you want back, uh, maybe it's not something you've uh, heard on this show or any other show, uh, do let us know. Uh, podcast at videogameschronicle.com. Send your questions, comments and concerns. Oh, seems to be some kind of alarm going off outside. Apologies. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening to the podcast. You can follow myself at Pete Donaldson on Twitter, uh, Andy at Andy Platonic and Chris at Chris underscore Dring. We'd like to thank the great Grant Kirkhope for the VGC podcast theme song. Say goodbye, Andy. Goodbye. Up the Amers. Say goodbye, Chris. See ya. See you later, everyone. Up the leads. See you next week. (laughs) Down the leads. Up the leads. Down the leads. VGC, a video games podcast, is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.